So, how would you define a maverick, Yannick? Uh, well, to me, a maverick is someone who definitely sets their own rules, who really just creates essentially their own reality of what they want and who uh, kind of redefines business as usual. Uh, they, uh, for them, it's, you know, we, we've always talked about this maverick philosophy of not only increasing your, your business revenue, but, but taking your life to the next level and, and taking your impact and contribution to the next level. Exactly. Okay. Why do you think you're a maverick? Uh, I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I would definitely, uh, I think, classify myself as a maverick just because of those three things that I hit on. Like, those, those are so deeply embedded into my my DNA uh, that, that that's, you know, it's just kind of the way I wake up and what I do every single morning is think about how do we combine different things together that really has a, a bigger a, a bigger future than, than the past of, of how we did it. And so I see my role as kind of being a catalyst, like this catalyzing other catalysts and instigating other instigators, essentially. Okay. The London School of Economics developed a maverickism scale. I'm going to give you seven statements and you just need to say true, false, or can't decide. So people tell me that I'm a maverick. True. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. Yeah, sure, true. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. True. I am much more productive than other people. Undecided. Okay. (laughs) Probably true, actually. Are you going for undecided or true? I don't know. Uh, It depends who you compare it to. You know, like, I'm... I, I would, I compare myself, you know, if I'm comparing, which I try not to do very often, but if I'm comparing myself to some of the icons I look up to, then maybe I don't get as much done. But if I okay. compare myself to a typical entrepreneur, I'd, I'd get more done. Okay. So I'll leave you as undecided? Sure. Okay. I have very unusual talents. Uh, nah, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I'm generally underestimated by people. No. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Yes. Why do you do things differently? Why? I think it's boring to do the same thing that's already been done. Uh, and I don't, I don't necessarily need to do something different just for the sake of doing something different. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in how do we combine stuff that's already working into something much bigger and better by doing it that way because I'm, I'm interested in, you know, you can be different just for different sake, but there has mm-hmm. to be some sort of feedback mechanism. And for me, that's the marketplace. Okay. And, and the marketplace will show you what, what works and what doesn't. Does doing things differently require certain skills? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I think it, it requires uh, it requires looking at a big picture, and it, it requires being able to see maybe at the one inch level as well. So not only the big picture, but how do we break it down to to what happens when when they you know for me everything is back to entrepreneurship and business. So what mm-hmm. happens when a customer starts interacting with what you put together? Uh, so it's not enough to to just be like, yeah, we're going to do something different. Everyone wants to innovate and disrupt, or but there has to be a, a reason for it and and it's also like how does it serve the, the end user even better okay 
What are the challenges to being a maverick? Getting so wrapped up in this idea that you need to do everything differently just for the sake of doing something different. Okay. Yeah, uh, that, that there's no mechanism in place that you actually see what your results are. Uh, you can go off on a, on a tangent for too long without, without realizing that, that you've gone so far off that maybe you're eight steps ahead of what other people might be or where the marketplace is that, that it's, it's just not, it's not a fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know another danger is that a lot of times it's uh, if you you know you are too too far ahead you're gonna get like a pioneer you're gonna get the arrows in your back yeah and not get rewarded okay what aspects of your character influence your maverick approach I think uh, a couple things one is ever since. Even in junior high, maybe even before that, I was always part of a lot of different groups, mm-hmm. so disparate groups uh, and, and networks now that I was never like deep into one clique, right. uh, but I was part of, of all these other cliques. And so having that opportunity to really almost like connect to different networks uh, or what would be networks now, but you know, cliques back in school. So being able to see different things that other people weren't able to see because they're so deeply enmeshed in one thing. So they're maybe, right now, they'd be subject matter experts okay. just in one part. So having the opportunity to, to see disparate things. Do you think your childhood in any way impacted on your being a maverick? Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Because you know, I was always, always kind of different. Mm-hmm. Uh, where... It was, I don't know, growing up, we, we were an immigrant family from Russia, mm-hmm. so it was immediately a little bit different coming into America. Uh, it was also, you, know, you just grew up not not necessarily even playing the same sports that all my friends played. Like, I play ice hockey and I play volleyball, which aren't exactly, you know, the two biggest sports in, in around the D.C. area where yeah. I grew up. So, you know, being different that way. Um no, also, like I very early on, I worked for my my family business, so I got a lot of business and marketing and sales experience early on. So at fourteen, I was telemarketing. At sixteen, I was out on the road cold calling. Okay. Doctors. So I think that had a huge influence on me uh, to be, just be doing something different than what my friends might be doing, flipping burgers or whatever the case was. Okay. Uh, interacting with even a wider group of people at at an early age. So I think, uh, yeah, I think a lot of that certainly influenced my thinking. And then even having mentors that I looked up to that were different than maybe just sports athletes or anyone like that. Like I got my, some of my, one of my earliest mentors was a guy named Earl Nightingale, who, um, you know, is one of the top sort of, I don't know, motivational or transformational speakers around and just mentorship through his, his audio tapes. But in there, he kind of gave me permission to be different at an early mm. age. Like he talks about in his program, either Stranger Secret or Lead the Field, about the top 5% of the population does things differently than what the other 95% do. Right. And he gave me a lot of permission to even go beyond what, what I was doing or gave me assurance that I was on the right path by you know, having all these audio tapes and programs that I was listening to in my, in my car that were, you know, that weren't the typical rock music or whatever. Uh, yeah, be. yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes me sound like a big nerd, but I definitely... No! 
wasn't at all. It was, it was, actually, which is kind of interesting, you know, that, that's the straddling all these different worlds. Like, I would go out and, and party quite a bit, but at the same time had a, a foot pretty firmly in where I was heading. Okay, okay. Mavericks often have unusual talents. What would you say yours are? See, I know that's kind of interesting because, you know, Billy, when you mentioned that before, I said no. So, like, I don't know, for me, an unusual talent would be something really odd. Um, I mean, I see some of my talents are, you know, being very artistic. And I don't know if that would, I don't think that's very odd because I think most people are artistic. They just don't give themselves permission to do it. Mm-hmm. I see myself as being very creative. But once again, I don't see people giving themselves permission to do it. Mm. Um I have a, a lot of this inner child in me, and you know, once again, it's like they don't give themselves permission to, yeah. to do it. So I don't know if I'd see those as you know unique or interesting talents, but I think that they're really powerful and, and and help. And I think anybody can tap into those. Okay, how do you see rules? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's Rules are kind of, some of them are, are, are definitely more solid than other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some that are, I'm definitely, I mean, it's funny because, you know, our whole organization that we have, it's called Maverick 1000, and we have a bunch of other Maverick groups, companies. And so we put together all these people that self-identify as Mavericks. And one of the guys I'm thinking of in particular, he's like, every time there's like a rule thrown out there, he's like, I hate rules. I'm not a real guy. And... So like he's like so extreme opposite. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I'm gonna break it, but to me, I see it more as some are flexible, some are, you know, a little bit more solid, and, and you gotta okay. figure out which ones are which. Have you always taken a maverick approach to business, or was there a particular trigger? I think I've always been interested in where leverage points are and what's like. I'm not interested in, in doing the things the exact same as anyone else because then there's no there's no distinction there mm-hmm. whether it's in the marketplace whether it's you know in, the, in a job situation whatever the case is so we grew up you know as I said as an immigrant family and, and I worked in my dad's business so having a small business and being a small competitor we had to do things differently in order to you know we didn't have a huge ad budget we didn't have uh, a ton of resources, so it kind of forced you to do some things differently than, than what other people were doing. And so, yeah, I guess pretty much always always have been, but more interested in the results and less about, like I said, doing things differently just for yeah. the sake yeah. doing things differently. But, like, even, you know, I look back at, like, a lot of our successes that I've had with, with our business, so one of my favorites of thinking differently or taking a different tact or maverick tact is, like, when I got involved in the online space, uh, I wanted to put on a seminar teaching other people what I've been doing, how, mm-hmm. I, how I made money on, on the internet. And there's a lot of other seminars at that point. This is coming up on our 10th anniversary of something called the Underground. And so there's a lot of other seminars out there at that time teaching how to make money on the internet and so forth. And it all had the exact same people all teaching you know, roughly the same stuff, and that's how they made their money. It was saying, here's how here's how, how to do it, and I have a course for you. And so I decided to take a completely different tact and, and really say, okay, well, what's, what do people really want? They want real-world people who are, who are actually doing it that maybe nobody's heard of mm-hmm. and, and can show you what they're doing, and that's not how they make their money by selling how to make money on the Internet. Yeah. And so that's why we created something called The Underground, and that was like, 
you know, really good example of going that different opposite direction. And it's been a really well-received seminar going on now for, for 10 years. When's the next one? It's coming up, isn't it? Uh, yeah, February 20th, 22nd in New Orleans. Are you always a maverick or do you choose to be so at times? And if so, why? I think, yeah, I think you're pretty much always a maverick and it comes out maybe in different parts, like almost like a rubber band, like it stretches more at different areas. But I don't know, I'm just not interested in, I I always say to my wife and and my kids that if you're a, you know, if you do things the same way everyone else does, you're going to get the same results that they get. So if you want to be extraordinary, you need to do something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And and so that means sometimes being unconventional. It means just, you know, taking things in a, in a different tack. So even, like, I don't know, like my wife, she finds it sometimes irritating that we can't have, uh, I don't know, a dinner, uh, dinner party without me throwing in, like, some sort of unusual dinner game that I've created or something Oh, wonder, like wow! <laughs> I'm supposed to be professional. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's, you know, so I, I like things like that that, yeah. to me, make it more interesting in all sorts of situations. And yeah, okay. What are the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business, have you found? Um, that's a good, good question. So, I mean... I think a lot has been kind of talked about and people get the advantages, you know, it's disruptive, it creates new innovation, it's, it's like, you know, it's exciting, it's, it gets, so the downfalls are, there's, there's definitely a time for that tried and true, so on the, on the cash flow side of things, you need somebody else who maybe not is not as maverick oriented who can be more of that process person that that keeps whatever's working working and keeps turning the wheel uh and then it's your role to to go out there and innovate and and make sure that you're ahead of the curve and that's where that maverick philosophy and and your that maverick characteristics really work well okay so so i think the downfall can be getting so wrapped up in what's new that you lose sight of what was already working because not everything new is going to work mm-hmm are there any situations where being a maverick is just positively harmful? Maybe filling out your tax returns. <laughs> Otherwise, I think uh, in most cases it's, it's going to be pretty helpful. Yeah, people always say taxmen aren't creative, but I'm not totally sure about that. The people who fiddle the taxman are yeah. very creative. <laughs> Has Asian experience altered your maverick approach in any way? Um, I think experience side, it's, it's helped because I've been able to have even more disparate connections and, and different people come into my life and, and situations and experiences so that you can pull from those. Um, and then as far as age, no, not, I don't think so. Okay. Um, no, it's not like. I don't think like I've gotten even more risky or less risky necessarily. Okay. What aspects are your of your life are you most maverick in? Well, definitely in the in the business side of things, so creative ideas that 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 take uh, pieces from from other spots, uh, coming up with unique ways that are really actually increase value in the marketplace. 
that, that have a unique experience and, and something else like that. Um, I think anything related to entrepreneurship, essentially, okay. and how, how to have entrepreneurs, how do you, like a, a key component is them growing their profits, but I think we're, we're probably most maverick oriented around how do we deliver content and unique experiences that helps them grow their profits and really enhances their entire whole being as, a, as an entrepreneur. How do you balance being a maverick with home life? That, I mean, I, you know, I definitely, uh, it, it, as an entrepreneur, it's all intermeshed together. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to say this is one piece and this is the other piece. Okay. Uh, so whether it's, you know, coming up with uh, unique games that we play as a family that are, that have like a hidden underlying values and, and something that, that I know is going to help grow the kids. Yeah. Uh, um, so that, that comes through. Uh, you know, like I talked about the dinner games that yeah. I've created and things like that. So there's not necessarily a big demarcation point. Okay. Is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Yeah, I think all of it is. Um, I mean, who gets who gets remembered? People that did things the exact same or, or someone that actually had an impact on the world in a big way. Okay. And, you know, my ego is not wrapped up in, in me having this legacy that, that continues on just for me. It's more about, I'm more concerned about how do we, how do we have a massive impact on the world and that as a byproduct would create your legacy. And, and the only way to create that impact is by maverick thinking and, and uh, viewpoint essentially. Okay. How much of anything of being a maverick then is related to give back? Uh, so I'll give you my maverick philosophy on give back. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I've been uh, really uh, staying away from even calling it give back. And I have a whole blog post all about this. And it's because give back implies that there's guilt involved in it, that you've taken something. Right. And as entrepreneurs, you know, we are value creators. So we get paid in relation to the value that we create. And so we're not, we're not taking, we're providing value, mm-hmm. whether it's to the customers, whether it's to our, our suppliers, whether it's to our, uh, our team members, whatever it is, to the community. And so I look at it as give forward, or, or I like using just the words impact. And so I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's really embedded, you know, I guess I have, I have that, there's three interconnected circles, that Venn diagram of the dollar sign and the heart and the happy face. And, um, you know, that, that heart is the impact piece. And so I really look at them as being very interconnected and, and they, um, you know, like one moves the other. So the more, the more you're creating an impact, actually, the more your, your bottom line can, can increase as well. So it's very much connected to being a maverick, but looking at things differently that it seems almost counterintuitive Mm -hmm. that one could, could grow that bottom line that way. You're speaking my language, so I'm just going to... So how do your ethics and values impact on being a maverick then? I think that, yeah, it's probably easy for people to say, well, if or identify with a maverick in a negative sense of being like, well, it's just business or it's, or, you know, creating some sort of um, rationalization for what they do. 
that they don't have to follow the rules of ethics or whatever the case is and then label themselves a maverick. And I think that's, you know, that's a, a negative sort of connotation. Uh, so I think it just, you know, like, like everything, it's it deeply embedded in what you do and it, it, it shows up whether, you know, in the short term it might not, but in the long term, if we talk about legacy, it definitely has to show up and, and something that's created out of uh, an unethical way is just going to blow up in your face eventually. Mm-hmm. Mavericks tend to be risk takers. What's the biggest risk you've taken to date in business? Uh, yeah, Mavericks are definitely risk takers. Uh, they, I mean, so I, I get some of my uh, most interesting ideas by going out and doing all sorts of wild stuff from jumping out of airplanes at 30,000 feet with like an oxygen mask on or... Uh, I don't know, we've flown MIG jets and done all sorts of cool stuff. And so, I don't know, some of the biggest risks, I think, have been maybe just saying that we're going to figure it out and and not having all the, all the pieces together. Uh, um, I mean, I don't have, like, one big story of mortgaging the house or, or anything like that, but I didn't really, didn't really need to necessarily. I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe one of the biggest risks has been maybe about six, seven years ago when I started the, the Maverick group was uh, doing really well with the internet stuff mm-hmm. and could have just continued chugging along, but I wasn't totally happy with, with where I was and, and decided to, to really focus all my attention on, on how to how to work with entrepreneurs and do what, you know, get them to the next level in their, in their business and their life and, and their impact. And so, you know, we had a lot of our income went down and trying to figure out what the business mm-hmm. models were and, a lot of people might look at that and say, "Well, that's pretty stupid because you had it figured out and and you were you were you know doing quite well." And uh, so, I guess that that we probably one of the biggest risks is just continually innovating and, and following your heart and following where your where your true passion is. Definitely. How many ventures would you say you've undertaken in the past five years? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, from new company standpoint it's probably been five or six from like ventures of uh i don't know just new products and services at least a couple dozen okay what would you consider are the characteristics of a successful venture yanni so if you would have asked me 15 years ago it probably would have been that it's profitable and it it creates uh, a good value for the end user but i'm not asking you 15 years ago so so if you're asking me now, um, I have this framework that, that I've been uh, working on called Evolved Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so an Evolved Enterprise is this notion of business as a multiplier for good, really co-creating something great. So so having an impact really baked into what the business does. So I look at it as a successful venture right now actually comes from your, your true heart and your true essence of who you are. Uh, is something that customers want to share and talk about, and they're excited because they're part of something bigger. Your team is part of something bigger. They're mission-driven, and uh, and it actually impacts your bottom line and grows your bottom line. Okay. Have you had any ventures that were unsuccessful? Of course. So what percentage of the ventures that you've done would you say were successful? So you said a couple of dozen projects and... A few business ventures. So, out of that figure, what percentage were successful? 
Uh, I don't know. I usually liken it to about about twenty percent are like really good, you know, really exciting home runs. Twenty percent are just okay. let's shoot them on they're dead on arrival kind of thing, and then the rest are sort of in the middle. So if you got ten things you put out there, two are going to be really good, two are going to just be really sucky, and and the rest are, are going to flounder around this deciding where they're going to be. So that's pretty much my batting average. Though I think I've gotten a little bit better where maybe like three out of ten are, are going to be pretty successful and do pretty well. Okay. When, what do you do that make the ventures successful? I look at where's, um, where's kind of the interesting place that they fit in the marketplace. So I don't look at where you know where it can be another whatever and maybe try and undercut pricing or anything like that. I look at how do we how do we add more value to that end user? How do we deliver something that's really exciting? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we get them to identify with with whatever it is that they actually feel like it's not just a business anymore, but it's it's really tied into their identity and that they want to become a zealot for, for this thing and, and a brand, a super brand advocate. Okay. So yeah, those are some of the things that I, I think about and how to, how do you create an experience that is just exceptional that, that they love? And I think there's, there's ways of doing it even, if, even if you're purely online or, or if you're interacting with people face to face. So the experience right now is a, is a big key, key, uh, key piece of it. Most definitely. Of the, of the companies and projects you've done that were unsuccessful, what would you consider as the main reason for failure? Um, good question. Sometimes it is like just having too many things going at once that mm-hmm. you didn't give it enough attention or you didn't cut it off soon enough or you didn't change it soon enough, like make a pivot or make a, a change of, of direction. Sometimes it's been just lack of lack of interest that I've kind of let it wither away when, you know, it might be that middling percentage of, of uh, ventures. Uh, and then other times it's just hitting, hitting something either too late, like the timing, too late or too early. Mm. As a maverick, what are you afraid of? Um, I'm not afraid of that much anymore. Um, I think I'm maybe let's say I I have maybe some a little bit of fear wrapped around not like not putting out my best work and having having what what could be my great work still left inside me when when uh, when my time here is done. Okay. How important is team to you as a maverick? Ask me 15 years ago, I would say it's not. Uh, ask me today, and it's been uh, a, a bigger and more essential piece, especially as like my my big vision for where I want to go and what we want to do and who we want to impact and how we want to change the world has gotten bigger. That mm-hmm. it, really does require a team and, and you need those committed individuals who who see what, what you're seeing or you can get them to see what you're seeing and so you need, you're going to have a put a dent in the, in the universe or whatever your big kind of goal is, you need, you need that committed team Okay 
Do you draw on other mavericks in any way? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I think it's a pretty stupid person that keeps himself completely isolated mm -hmm. uh, because you don't have all the all the answers, and you don't. I, I definitely draw on a community. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I literally started Maverick One Thousand was I was part of other CEO groups and entrepreneurial groups, but I didn't get there wasn't that element of everything I wanted in them. Not only the fun experiences, but the way to create impact. And so, you know, I look at them as, as part of my support team. So whether it's resources and capabilities or, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's accountability where, where you feel like you, you'll put something out there and you want, and you want somebody to hold you accountable to it in, in some way, because these are your peers and, and mm -hmm. you feel embarrassed if you didn't fulfill on what you just said you were going to do. Um, and, and sometimes it's just getting inspired and having that energy of someone else who's just you know, driving yeah, yeah. Their, their business and their life to that next level. Okay. Does you being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? Um, maybe. Uh, I think it, you know, sometimes it makes me impatient mm -hmm. uh, uh, that I want stuff done yesterday and and um, well, no, right? I think that maybe on, on that negative side but then on the positive side I think having having that big vision and something that's unique and creative really inspires the people around you mm -hmm. so, so there's I think there's a, a pro and a con there okay is being ma being a maverick related to creativity, and if so, how? Yeah, it's definitely related to creativity. I mean, it's it's something that I think everyone can tap into. Mm -hmm. uh, but but yeah, I mean, it takes it takes a maverick to really look at what is on the surface looks the exact same to everybody else, but but someone else can see different pieces that can be added to it, or taken away, or enlarged, or or made smaller, or, or moved over to a new industry or marketplace and, and to see where those those connections would work. So how about innovation? How is being a maverick then connected to innovation in your perspective? Well I think innovation it drives it drives your marketing, it drives your, your, your business models. Uh, it's it's like being so right now even like what I'm looking at is how does how does having an impact element really truly added in an authentic, genuine way to your business model, like how does that drive your business? And so that to me would be an innovation. Okay. And then looking at business models that already worked and not adding components that truly are self-sustaining and, and have cause elements to them that are really exciting and like, it just keeps, just like kind of this virtuous spiral that keeps getting better and better. Okay. Are there any career choices you regret as it relates to your potential as a maverick? Not really. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't have a very long career doing anything except for uh, I worked with my dad for quite a long time, mm -hmm. growing his medical equipment sales and service company, and then okay. I struck off on my own. So Okay. Not, yeah, not really. Is there anyone who's a maverick that inspires you? Uh, yeah, I mean, my biggest business hero for sure is Richard Branson, and he really epitomizes uh, that, that maverick kind of philosophy of not only very successful in business, but he's just a uh, you know, fun person.
person. He's very adventurous. He's got that amazing explorer spirit about him, and mm -hmm. he's um, and he wants to make a difference. And I've been fortunate enough to spend uh, about five and a half weeks with him so far, and it's been incredible. Where a lot of times you might meet somebody that you look up to, and they don't quite fit what you think that they were. Yeah. The same way, and, uh, and but with, with Richard, he's been you know just just incredible and. Definitely one of those people that, that I look up to, and there's you know a whole host of other mentors and 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 people that I I certainly look up to for different reasons, uh, some not as well known as as Richard, for sure. Um, like a guy named Frank McKinney, who builds uh, houses on spec in uh, in Florida, and he um, builds these huge like ten, fifteen, twenty million dollar houses on spec, so with no buyer, and so you know he's really He's taught me quite a lot of things where he, you know, his risk muscle, his risk tolerance is quite high and it's grown mm -hmm. over time. So he's been exercising that, as he says, and, and growing that. And then he takes uh, a lot of the profits of what he does and, and then he builds self-sustaining villages in Haiti. And so we've been with him several times to go uh, work on those villages and, and bring other Mavericks along for that. And so, you know, he's inspiring in, in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, you know, quite a few people in my life that now I've become colleagues with and friends with that, that inspire me in, in all sorts of different ways. Okay. Who is someone in your life that makes all the difference? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot. It's, it's like I, you know, from, from the business heroes to even like just my wife who's um, out there kind of more of the the maverick, the rebel, the person that's you know, out there doing all these different things, and so she brings the stability and mm -hmm. uh, and the opportunity for structure into our home life, especially with the kids. Okay. So, so you know, she's pretty indispensable. Um, also, having my mom who passed away, I don't know, eight years ago now, like she was always like a just a big cheerleader for anything mm -hmm. that I did. So having that person that is as kind of on your side no matter what even if they have no idea what you're doing and she had no idea what I was doing online but that didn't matter so those are those are definitely wow. some, some key people that's that's amazing why do you what do you have to suffer because you're a maverick uh, I don't think you need to suffer with too much because you get to make the rules okay so uh, you you know you kind of get to decide how much suffering you're going to have or what you're going to put up with. So it's up to you, really. What motivates you as a maverick? Uh, to, to really have a different take on things that once other people or other entrepreneurs see them, like, oh, that makes a lot of sense and that's what I want to do and that's that's what I want to imply to, to what we're doing. Okay. So having a, a kind of a different way of looking at things but that, that then becomes something that is uh, more of the norm, I guess. So then it forces you to continue. Yeah. Yannick, do you like being a maverick? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it seems pretty boring to not be one. Okay. And is being a maverick important and why? I think it's it's only important to a, a certain extent that you don't get so wrapped up in 
and being, you know, like I've said a couple times, being different just for the sake of being different, that there's a, there's a reason for it and there's a, you know, a big, a big why to where you want to put the disruption or what you, what you want to do differently. Okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, how maverick do you think you are? I don't know, 8.3. Okay. What advice would you give to someone who feels they're a maverick so that they can ensure they can be as good a maverick as they want to be? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think that they need, uh, they need to look at why, why they're doing it, what's their motivation behind it, and, and tap into that that big reason why mm-hmm. of whatever they're doing and anything that they are doing that's worthwhile is, is going to require some sort of different thinking or different take on things. Uh, but not to get so, I feel like I'm constantly repeating myself, but not to go, get so wrapped up in just being different for the sake Did, of being different. Yeah. And Fair enough. What would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? Mm. Well, nothing. I think, uh, I think that was pretty good.